Thanks, Paul, for reading the scripture. I think that text really speaks to all of us. It speaks to people who've been a Christian for a long time, people who've only been coming to church for a very short time, and even people who are just considering whether they should even be part of a church. I really think it speaks to all of us. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name for spiritual growth in people's lives. Lord, I thank you for the opportunities and for the instruction you give us from the Bible. Lord, I thank you that you know the people who are hearing this message. You know what we need to hear. You know where we are in all our struggles and joys, and you love us. I ask that these words speak life into all of us today. Amen. At the job that I do during the week in the ABC newsroom, we often look at uh, a whole story and try and find a headline that is both interesting and truly represents the story. And from today's reading, I reckon there are three suggestions. Jesus calls us to a more mature walk with him. Another one could be, Jesus says people are more important than a tradition. Or we could have, Jesus shows that the outcome is what really counts. Now when we look at the story from the Pharisees' perspective, we see that the Pharisees were expecting Jesus' disciples to go through a ritual as they came into church to say they weren't like other people. The purpose of the ritual was not simply hygiene, but it was religious. The ceremony was expecting to remove the world from them. It was to remove the worldliness from them. So when you'd been into the marketplace and you were going off to God, you could ritually remove the worldliness. The idea reminds me of a 10-year-old learning music. Now the 10-year-old, she's got a textbook and her teacher said there is one way to play music. And she reads the textbook exactly, counts out the rhythm, and she's got it. And when this child just comes into church, she has a look at Dick playing and goes, he's not doing it properly. <laughs> he's not counting out the music properly. He's not doing it exactly as the textbook says. But the thing is, Dick fully understands what's in the textbook. He completely gets it. But with his understanding and his experience and all the practice that he's done, he can create a range of exciting music. Now, the 10-year-old doesn't understand much at all about music, so she needs these very clear, clear rules to follow. But her teacher's intention is that she will learn more and become a great musician like Dick. Now, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that he didn't come to abolish the law but to fulfil it. A great musician doesn't reject their childhood instruction. They fulfil it. Now the Pharisees couldn't see in this story that their ritual was intended to bring them closer to God. They saw the rules just as an end in themselves. They saw Jesus when he walked into the temple and he saw the disciples not go through this ritual to get rid of the worldliness. They couldn't see that the disciples were already walking close to God. How close can you get in your Christian walk to be walking right there with Jesus? You can't get any closer. 
The disciples were already there, yet the Pharisees were saying, hang on guys, guys, you haven't followed our ritual. You haven't done it by the book. But they were already there. Now for me, I like to say a prayer before I eat. I always pray before I eat simply as a reminder to myself. I often say to the kids when I'm uh, doing children's church, I'll say to them, uh, the reason I pray before I eat is because quite often I forget to pray, but I never forget to eat. Now, in no way is it an issue for me to be around somebody who doesn't combine prayer and eating. I wouldn't judge anybody else's prayer life. I simply like to celebrate God's provision. Now, fortunately for me, it's a nice tradition that a lot of other Christians join in with. But if I made this celebration a mandatory ritual for Christians, I'd be able to judge others. Now, the first kinds of things I would do is I'd judge people by the length of the prayer. Then I would work out a ratio of the length of the prayer to how much food you eat. Then, if I visited somebody else's house, I'd work out another little trick. Depending how much space there is between main course and dessert, whether we need another prayer. I think that would be really good. Then I'd be able to tell exactly where somebody is in their Christian walk. I'd be able to give them a rating. I think it'd be great. Because that would leave us not exactly sure what to do, I'd codify every part of the ritual. I'd start training children how to do it. We could have adult education for new Christians. But now I wouldn't be celebrating God at all. I wouldn't even be celebrating God's provision. All I'd be using it for is a way to exclude people. And look, that's what the Pharisees had done. Instead of using this beautiful ritual that they were going through, this hand-washing ritual, to draw nearer to God, they were using it to work out who was in and who was out. They may have even thought that their ritual was making it easier for other people. But it's totally against what Jesus stands for. Jesus came to earth for everyone. We see it in John 3.16. Jesus came for whosoever. We're all whosoever's. In Matthew 28.20, Jesus said, go into all the world. No one should miss out. In other words, Jesus is completely inclusive. I'm glad this church is called a uniting church. It sort of brings the inclusive nature of God. No one's excluded by it. Not by gender, not by culture, not by sexual orientation, not by wealth. If you're a whosoever, you are welcome in this church. The Pharisees weren't following the ancient traditions to celebrate with God. They were focusing on their methods and they weren't worrying about the outcome. In fact, they were doing something much worse. They were just having a system of separating people. Now, my desire for myself is to never use Christian jargon that would exclude somebody. Not to carefully use theological terms and gauge whether another, another person's reaction, nor to look and see how quickly somebody can find a Bible verse I've got a few reasons for doing this. First one is, says God says, let God be the judge. So I think it's good to let God be the judge. Second one is, it's just not the way we do things in our church here. 
It's not in the Ultimo Uniting Church's DNA to be judging people like that. And thirdly, didn't really like the way Jesus spoke to the Pharisees. And I don't really want him speaking to me like this. In verse 6, Jesus really took on the Pharisees. Knowing how much they care about tradition, Jesus spoke to them, quoting Isaiah. And he said, you know, they teach man-made ideas as if they come from God. Then in verse 8, Jesus speaks in his own word. You've let go of the commands of God and you're holding on to human traditions. Now, what are those commands of God? Jesus said in Mark 12.30, the commands could be summed up as love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and love your neighbour as yourself. Now, we have an underlying desire to serve God our way. This is me. Not God's way, but our way. In fact, am I the only one who wants to serve God my way? Sometimes this can lead to very incompatible desires. You know, like I'd like to, I'd like to be able to eat more and lose weight. And I find it interesting, W.H. Auden, the 20th century poet, said in his poem in the Age of Anxiety, he said, we would rather be ruined than changed. We would rather die in our dread than climb the cross of the present and let our illusions die. Now let me tell you, I really like this building. It's a sacred place. It's been set apart for worship for the living God. Now our Lord Jesus has been worshipped on this site for more than a hundred years and I've had some very special moments here to make the building sacred or set apart. I walked my daughter down the aisle here and watched her say her marriage vows. Katie and Michael signed their documents on this table. I prayed with the musicians in this corner. I prayed with other church people in this corner. I've got tea. I've had all kinds of chats with people. Um, oh, Paul Apps and I were out in the kitchen here one day cleaning these lights. We took these lights... Somebody else climbed up and got them. Yes, I, I think I had the uh, drying up gloves at that point, and we didn't drop any. So that was, uh, that was very good. Dick and the All-Stars have played uh, rock and roll music in this church, and we've danced to Pretty Woman right in the middle here. This church is a you know, very sacred place. I've explained the gospel to children. I often wonder when I look around the church what connections other people here have to the building. In short, this place is a blessing and I don't want anything to change. I want it to stay just the way it is. I think we need to codify our rituals. I think we need to test people before they come in and only let people in just like us and keep it just the way it is. But you know what really excites me about this church? What really, really excites me? really and truly excites me, that this will be a place where Jesus will be worshipped for the next hundred years. I think these two goals, two desires are totally incompatible. My desire to keep the church exactly the way it is and have God worshipped for the next hundred years. Now the key to this is going to be the opposite of the Pharisees. We must focus on the outcome and not be overly concerned about the methods. This means we've got to resist the urge to do things our way 
and be open to doing it God's way. When Jesus said to the Pharisees in verse 8, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions, we can turn that around for us. How about we let go of the human traditions and we hold on to God's commands? In a little while, we're going to be celebrating communion. Now, it's a wonderful celebration here. It's not a party like New Year's Eve, but it's a solemn honouring of God's sacrifice for us. But in one way, it is like a New Year's Eve celebration. If we didn't have a New Year's Eve celebration, didn't have a party, New Year would still happen. If on the 31st of December, nobody celebrated anywhere, the next year would still come on the 1st of January. With communion, we're using it as a reminder that Jesus took our sin to the cross so that we can take his righteousness to God. You know, every time God forgives us, he is saying that his relationship with us matters a whole lot more than the traditions and other things that he has given us. If we didn't have a communion service, we'd still fully rely on God to be saved. We'd fully be relying on God to take our sin to the cross. We'd still be fully relying on God for his righteousness. But the communion service is a celebration. Now, we take communion in a particular way in Ultima. Our ordained minister says some specific words. We each take a piece of bread from the loaf and then we dip it into the wine. Other Christian groups do it quite differently. And there's other Christian groups who don't do it at all. Now, I find the way we do it here a really meaningful celebration. It means a lot to me. I'd love it if everybody joins in. But if you'd prefer not to eat uh, the bread and wine, David will say a blessing over you, or you can remain seated and just watch it happen. Remember, this celebration is a reminder. It's a solemn celebration, but it's still a celebration, and it, it's a reminder of God's love for us. It isn't actually God's love for us. The celebration itself isn't God's love. God's love is there and we are celebrating it. On the 30th of August 2015, I say to you, submit your attitudes to Jesus' leading. Let go of your own traditions and hold on to God's commands. Put people first. Jesus is saying it's time for you to walk closely with him and grow into a mature relationship. Amen.